This gospel message is brought to you by the Reformed Witness Hour, a ministry of the Protestant Reformed Churches in America, a Reformed denomination that strives to be faithful to the Word of God and the historic confessions of the Reformed faith, also known as Calvinism. In love for our great God, we proclaim the Christian faith and life that is founded on God's sovereign particular grace. As God's Word is expounded, we pray that these messages are a blessing to you. In the past number of weeks, we have examined the faith of a cloud of witnesses. This began at the outset of history with Abel, Enoch, and Noah. It continued through the patriarchs, Abraham, his wife Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. We examined the faith of Moses, his parents, and of his servant Joshua, and the conquest of Canaan. We have even examined the faith of a woman grafted into the line of the church and covenant, Rahab. Hebrews 11, in the verses we study today now, includes a host of Old Testament saints who also lived and died in faith. We read of them in verses 32 through 38 of this chapter. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weaknesses were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy." They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Now, I know this is a large chunk of scripture we consider today. The writer to the Hebrews even admits that time would fail him to tell of all the heroic deeds the Old Testament saints performed in faith. The same is true of us as we consider their faith today. These saints are meant to be a witness to us. They are given us as examples to follow in our lives. In Hebrews 12, verse 1, we are given the admonition, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us, and run with patience the race set before us. God's people today, just as these saints of old, are to live by faith. So, we apply the word of God before us to our lives once again today. The aspect of faith that stands out in these verses we consider is, in fact, that of endurance, once again. Faith is the power to endure. That is the word used in Hebrews 12, verse 1. Let us run with patience. That means run with endurance. Faith endures. That is, it remains firm under suffering. It does not give in. It does not yield to suffering, either in body or soul, no matter how painful the circumstances of life might be. We bear that in mind today. We cannot consider this word of God before us without going through the list of examples given us. 
This does not mean we need to spend time examining each one closely to figure out who might have had this happen to them or what actually happened. Through faith, these saints obtained a good report of God. They were seen to be faithful, enthusiastic, and fruitful citizens of God's kingdom. At first glance, it may seem as if all the verses we study today refer only to the men mentioned in verse 32, that is, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, Samuel, David, and the prophets. This list includes men who, for the most part, were judges in Israel, with the exception of the first God-fearing king of Israel, David, and then the prophets that followed him. These men, through faith, we are told, subdued kingdoms. We think of the battles fought by each of these judges and also by David. By means of those battles, heathen kingdoms were subdued. These men also in their rule wrought righteousness. That is to say, their rules were just rules, standing in accord with God's commandments. These men obtained the promises of the covenant, how we will discover in a little while. We are reminded of Samson in that last phrase of verse 33, how he, by means of the strength God gave him, was able to stop the mouth of a lion. We are told that these men quenched the violence of fire. To whom this refers is not exactly clear, but we are reminded of Daniel's three friends a little later on in history, and that in their stand in the fiery furnace. By the next phrase, we are reminded of David escaping the edge of the sword of Goliath or of Saul. In the last three of these examples given us in verses 33 and 34, we find a little shift in viewpoint. These three build upon each other to explain somewhat how these men were able to accomplish these feats. Out of weakness, God made these men strong, so strong that they became brave, that is, waxed valiant in fight. So brave that they were able to turn to flight the armies of the aliens, that is, the pagan nations who sought to rob them of their inheritance. You know, the tendency we have here in the Word of God before us is to look at these men in Hebrews 11 as being the, the epitome of bravery and strength. They were heroes of faith. They, they stand on a plane so much higher than what we do. We could never achieve what they did. But our text points out that they were not by nature strong and brave. When the Lord appeared to Gideon to fight the Midianites, Gideon's response was, Wherewithal shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor, and I am the least in my father's house. Later, Gideon needed a sign of the fleece to reassure him that he was going to win the battle against the Midianites. He was weak in himself. He was a a common, ordinary man to whom God suddenly appeared and gave him the strength to go and fight. Listen to Barak when Judge Deborah came to him and told him to lead Israel against the Canaanite army. If you will go with me, I will go, but if you do not go with me, I will not go. Not such brave words, were they? Out of weakness, God made strong, and out of a timid nature, God made brave. And God did this by working in these saints faith. Now, that ends the first sentence of our text and the first set of examples. These first nine examples refer to the men mentioned in verse 32. But the second set of nine examples go beyond the era of the judges. 
They apply to many different saints of God who lived throughout the Old Testament history. These are extreme, even horrifying examples of endurance. They refer to those who were persecuted for the sake of Christ. Women, we are told in verse 35, received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. It may be true that in a few instances, those who were put to death for Christ's sake were raised again, but this was certainly not the norm. Women themselves were put to death and raped. They saw their husbands and children put to death before their very eyes for the cause of God and His anointed. Young women themselves were beaten, raped, and then hung on crosses naked for everyone to gawk at. They did not look to be raised miraculously to life again. They did not accept death thinking that somehow they were going to be raised from the dead and back into this life. They died in order that they might obtain a better resurrection, that is, the resurrection unto eternal life that will take place at the end of time. In other words, they died in hope of the final resurrection. Still others, according to verse 36, had trials of, or tests of cruel mockings and scourgings. Men and women were brought before magistrates, mocked, whipped, simply because they believed the promises of God to them. They were put in chains, thrown in prison, never to see the light of day again, because they belonged to the kingdom of God in this world. Now the persecutions recorded in our text become even more violent and cruel. We read in verse 37 that they were stoned to death by their own fellow countrymen. They were sawn asunder, that is, they were beheaded. They were tempted, that is, trial by fire. They were burned at the stake. They were slain with a sword. Reference to the impulsive behavior of an angry soldier. In his taste for blood, he would without mercy stick his sword into the belly of the one he had captured. All this happened because these saints believed in God and in the coming Messiah. They clung to the promises. Then finally the conclusion to the list. There were those who were stripped of all their belongings and cast out. These wandered about not in the fancy in nice clothes of class and culture, but in sheepskins and goatskins. They were destitute, that is, in constant lack of food and drink. They were afflicted or hard-pressed. They were tormented or treated as scum and filth. Why? Because they believed. They wandered in deserts and in mountains, living in dens and caves. They were forced to live like animals. And if one looked at them, he could not help but pity them. But then... They did not need to be pitied, because the world was not worthy of such saints. These outcasts, these scum in men's eyes, were the great and the noble of the earth in the eyes of God. The world of men was not worthy of such people. These saints endured the worst of circumstances in life because they believed. The wicked world hated them for the God whom they served. The world would be rid of them because they belonged to God's kingdom in this world. But this did not deter these saints from remaining firm in their convictions. They did not give in to their foes, no matter how harsh the circumstances. Can we say that they were heroes of faith? You know, I think in a real sense we can say that of them, so long as the credit goes to God and not to them. Through faith, they did valiantly. They are witnesses to us of what it means to believe. But in it all, 
we must remember that such endurance does not come naturally. God works faith in the hearts of his people. But God also upholds his people in that faith. What they do is always done by the grace of God alone. But let's consider that faith of God's people. We have noticed repeatedly in our series on Hebrews 11 that the writer defines faith from a certain perspective. Faith is an activity that God works in a man or woman. And it is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, or literally, it is the firm confidence of a person in those things that we hope for. Faith is also evidence, or better, the conviction regarding things not seen. Faith is confidence. Faith is conviction. These are the activities of man's heart and soul. But this activity of a believing heart is not an innate ability that belongs to fallen man. Fallen man is totally depraved and has no faith. Scripture clearly teaches us that faith is a gift of God. A gift God imparts only upon his elect people and that through the work of the Spirit of Christ in their hearts. We read, for example, in Ephesians 2 verse 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. In Philippians 1 verse 29, the apostle teaches, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ to believe on him. We are given to believe in Christ. God implants the power or the ability unto faith into our hearts. But God's work of faith in us activates, empowers our hearts and minds. It works in us a certain knowledge by which we hold as true everything contained in God's word. It works in us a confidence, a conviction that God is our God and we are his children whom he loves and saves from sin. Faith is the confidence in things hoped for. It is not an emotion. Faith is not that emotional high that people strive for, let's say, in revival meetings. Faith is not this warm, fuzzy feeling that I can experience at times in my life. I'm not saying, of course, that faith cannot affect our feelings or our emotions. But faith itself is not a feeling. It is much more stable than feelings. Faith is knowledge. God explains to his people in Jeremiah 9, verse 24, Let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. So faith is objective knowledge. But faith is not merely a cold intellectual acceptance of the truths of the Bible either. There's many a person that has died and will die with a head full of knowledge, but with no conviction. Faith, however, is a conviction that those truths we know are, in fact, the gospel of salvation. Faith is the conviction of things not seen. There are truths seen only with the eye of faith that we are convinced are reality. What do we see only with the eyes of faith? Well, first of all, we are convinced in our hearts that God stands above all things in his majesty and rules the nations by his might. Secondly, we in hope look for that city to come whose builder and maker is God. And in that conviction we live as pilgrims and strangers in this world of darkness and sin. We are the citizens of God's kingdom in this world. We know and are persuaded in our hearts that one day Christ will come again and we will receive our place in heaven. In the third place, we believe that this God we have come to know has entered into covenant with us, his people. He has told his people, I am your God, 
and you are my son or daughter. God has bound believers together with him in love. He shares with us his blessings. He smiles upon us in his favor. And in that covenant, he has established promises. Such promises are also the object of our faith. Some of those prophecies, uh, promises, our text informs us, God's saints of the Old Testament already obtained. They received the land of Canaan for an inheritance, as God promised Abraham. God promised them victory over their enemies. They obtained these promises. But the central promise of the covenant, that is, the coming of their Messiah, that he would come, that was a promise, they never lived to see it. And yet it is exactly faith in that promise that Christ was coming that motivated God's people in the Old Testament to do what they did, just as it does God's people today. Now this faith results in endurance. To endure means the ability to bear under something. I am reminded of a small sapling that finds root in an open field. As it grows, its roots dig deeply into the soil. When the winds blow across that open field, at times fiercely, that little sapling bends beneath the force of the wind without breaking, and neither is it uprooted. So also the believer. When we are saved in Christ, the Spirit causes our roots of faith to dig deeply into Jesus Christ. And when the winds of life blow on us, when hardships confront us, our roots of faith dig the deeper into Jesus Christ, and we bend, and we endure the storms of life. It is not that our faith itself keeps us rooted in Jesus Christ. Our faith draws its very life out of Christ. The strength of our risen Lord dwells in us. The Spirit of Christ roots us into Christ and preserves us in that faith. But the Spirit does so by causing the believer, when blown about by the storms of this world, to look to Jesus Christ and trust all the more firmly in Him. Look at what the saints of old endured. Look what they were willing to live and die for to obtain a better resurrection. It is not that they would have rather given in, but God somehow forced them to hold on in these hard times. They believed, and by faith they endured. As painful as persecution was, they by God's grace suffered the pain without breaking, without giving in. These saints endured hurricane force winds, and they bore under those burdens of life. And they were sore burdens, and they persevered by faith. So also are we called unto quiet, brave endurance in the various circumstances of life. In this connection we receive admonition as believers who are called today to live in this world of darkness and sin. Here it is again in Hebrews 12, verse 1. Let us run with patience, endurance, the race that is set before us. The word of God we receive in these verses is given us, first of all, to admonish us that we should walk in the faith of these saints. The men and women we examined today were ordinary simple folk as we are, no different at all. Just men, women, and children who had a life just like we do before being cast into cruel trials and temptations. These bold examples of faith serve to make our lack of faith so glaring. We who live in this age of prosperity are so weak. While these saints wandered about in sheepskins and lived in caves and dens of the earth, we dress in our fancy clothing and live in our comfortable homes. While they fought the great battles of faith with real and ferocious enemies, we are not yet threatened by the wicked world around us, but live in relative peace with the world. 
while they were sawn in pieces and burned at the stake and stoned, we concern ourselves with bank accounts, vacations, and the many extras in life. What spiritually insignificant lives we seem to live in comparison to those whom we have read of here. Even the afflictions we bear, and there can be hard afflictions, oh, I realize that. But even them, it seems, pales in comparison to the lives of these saints. We've not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Christ did. He suffered the cruel torture of rejection and the hatred of the church and the world. He was beaten and spit on. He was hung on a tree in his bloodshed. He suffered under the eternal wrath of God to, deli to deliver you and me from our sins. So we are admonished. And yet, this witness of Old Testament saints also ought to encourage us. These people were not someone extraordinary, someone different from you and me. They were God's people who were called by God to live through hard times. We are God's people, who are called at times to live through difficulties too. We are encouraged to run the race God sets before us. The battle of faith, though different, still must be waged. We still must run a race where sin so easily besets us, keeping our eyes on the promise of eternal life. Now we go forth in faith, convicted of God's covenant and its promises. When God places obstacles in our lives, afflictions, and perhaps someday persecution, we endure, standing firm on the promises of God. God will give strength when and where it is necessary. We believe that. God is our refuge and our strength. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thou knowest that we too today can experience many different hardships and difficulties in our lives. We pray that this cloud of witnesses now might be of encouragement to us too to persevere and to endure, focusing our eyes on the cross of Jesus Christ, the one who has delivered us from all sin, looking for that promise to be fulfilled of eternal life. Forgive us of our own weaknesses. Strengthen us now for today and tomorrow. For Jesus' sake, amen. The gospel message you have just heard was sponsored by the Protestant Reformed Churches through its radio program, The Reformed Witness Hour. We hope that you have been edified and encouraged by this message. If you would like more information about the Reformed faith or the Protestant Reformed Churches, feel free to visit our website at reformedwitnesshour.org or email us at mail at reformedwitnesshour.org.